0: Thank you for joining me today on the Come Follow Me podcast. My name is Angela Johnson, and I'm excited to be talking about the Prophet Joseph Smith today. Before we begin, I'm going to mention that I am the author of the Earl of Arendelle Wit and Intrigue and the soon-to-be-released Saved by Scandal. Today we will be in Joseph Smith history, and we are looking at verses 1-26. through So I'm going to apologize beforehand because I might get super excited while we're going through these verses. Joseph Smith's experience has always been a source of strength and comfort and testimony to me, and so I usually get really excited when I'm talking about him. Um, Before we start reading, I'd like you to think about how Joseph Smith's experience strengthens your testimony, and as we go through this lesson, perhaps there will be something to build on your current faith and testimony. Let's jump right in. Joseph Smith was prepared from a young age. Lucy Mack Smith and Joseph Smith Sr. raised their children to be God-fearing people. They held family scripture study of the Bible, and they had family prayer. And um, that was something that their children knew was going to happen. On page 8 of the Come Follow Me manual, there's a quote by William Smith. He says, We always had family prayer, since I can remember. I well remember Father used to carry his spectacles in his vest pocket. And when us boys saw him fill for his specs, we knew that was a signal to get ready for prayer. And if we did not notice it, Mother would say, William, or whoever was the neglectant one, get ready for prayer. After prayer, we had a song we would sing. Joseph Smith grew up reading the scriptures. He grew up in a family that talked about scriptural matters, spiritual matters, and they impressed upon their children prayer. The adversary was ready for what was to come in Joseph Smith's life. The adversary knew that Joseph Smith was being prepared by his parents to be God-fearing and to learn about spiritual matters. And so the adversary started to put obstacles in his life. And um, one of those is discussed by his mother, in the book, The History of Joseph Smith, by his mother, Lucy Mack Smith. She relates an incident that happened to Joseph before any of the upheaval within Manchester started to happen. At the age of 14, an incident occurred which alarmed us much, as we knew not the cause of it. Joseph, being a remarkably quiet, well-disposed child, we did not suspect that anyone had aught against him. He was out one evening on an errand, and on returning home, as he was passing through the dooryard, a gun was fired across his path, with the evident intention of shooting him. He sprang to the door, much frightened. We immediately went in search of the assassin, but could not, but could find no trace of him that evening. The next morning we found his tracks under a wagon where he lay when he fired, and the following day we found the balls, which were discharged, from the gun lodged in the head and neck of a cow that was standing opposite the wagon in a dark corner. We have not yet discovered the man who made this attempt at murder, neither can we discover the cause thereof. It was soon after this incident that the religious upheaval came to Manchester. So let's go into the scriptures to Joseph Smith history, and let's look at verses 5 through 6. Sometime in the second year after our removal to Manchester, there was in the place where we lived an unusual excitement on the subject of religion. It commenced with the Methodists, but soon became general among all the sects in that region of country. Indeed, the whole district of the country seemed affected by it, and great multitudes united themselves to the different religious parties, which created no small stir and division amongst the people, some crying low here and others low there. Some were contending for the Methodist faith, some for the Presbyterian, and some for the Baptist. For notwithstanding the great love which the converts to these different faiths expressed at the time of their conversion, and the great zeal manifested by the respective clergy, who were active in getting up and promoting this extraordinary scene of religious feeling, in order to have everybody converted, as they were pleased to call it, let them join what sect they pleased. Yet when the converts began to file off, some to one party and some to another, it was seen that the seemingly good feelings of both the parties or both the priests and the converts were more pretended than real for a scene of great confusion and bad feeling ensued priest contending against priest and convert against convert so that all their good feelings one for another if they ever had any were entirely lost in a strife of words and a contest about opinions that had to be an interesting time to live to be in a mix of religion where it hadn't happened before, and for a young boy of the age of 14, it had to be super confusing um, with all of the excitement that was going on with these um, religious meetings, and to not know the truth. To be raised in a family where religion was so important, and then to have that same upheaval go into your home. Um, It wasn't just a discussion between the sects of religions, it was actually happening in his own home as well. So some of his family members joined the Presbyterian religion, and others were looking at the Methodist church. Um, I'm sure some of them were looking at the Baptist church. In verse 8 of Joseph Smith history, he talks about how he was partial to the Methodist sect, and he thought about joining them. So this was something that he had given great thought to. But still, he had a lot of questions of who was right among these preachers. And it says a lot about Joseph and his ability to ponder and give a great amount of study and time to the subject of religion and to any subject, because he was 14 years old. And I'm sure that there were different things during his time period that he could have spent his time on as a 14-year-old boy. No, he didn't have an Xbox or the newest entertainment system, but there were things that he probably enjoyed doing, games that he enjoyed playing, or, I mean, his, his family were farmers, and so he could have spent his time out in the field working hard and thinking about the next crop instead of pondering over which religion is true. But instead of giving up and just joining one religion, Joseph took to the scriptures. So let's go back and into Joseph Smith history. And let's read verses 10 through 13. In the midst of this war of words and tumult of opinions, I often said to myself, what is to be done? Who of all these parties are right, or are they all wrong together? If any one of them be right, which is it, and how shall I know it? While I was laboring under the extreme difficulties caused by the contests of these parties of religionists, I was one day reading the Epistle of James, first chapter and fifth verse, which reads, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Never did any passage of Scripture come with more power to the heart of man than this did at this time to mine. It seemed to enter with great force into every feeling of my heart. I reflected on it again and again, knowing that if any person needed wisdom from God, I did. For how to act, I did not know. And unless I could get more wisdom than I then had, I would never know. For the teachers of religion of the different sects understood the same passages of Scripture so differently— as to destroy all confidence in settling the question by an appeal to the Bible. At length, I came to the conclusion that I must either remain in darkness and confusion, or else I must do as James directs, that is, ask of God. I at length came to the determination to ask of God, concluding that if he gave wisdom to them that lacked wisdom, and would give liberally and not upbraid, I might venture. Has there ever been a time in your life where you felt you lacked wisdom? And if so, what did you do? And how can you seek greater knowledge when questions come to you? It says a lot about Joseph that he went to the scriptures and he looked to God for the answers instead of going to the great scholars of his time Usually when I think, oh, I need an answer to something, Google is my first um, thought process nowadays. And so I think that um, a lot can be said about Joseph and his ability to ponder, his ability to discern the right way of thinking about things, um, because he immediately went to the scriptures. He immediately went to what he knew. A quote from President Russell M. Nelson from his 2018 talk, um, Revelation for the Church, Revelation for Our Lives, talks about um, this experience with Joseph. He says, The Prophet Joseph Smith set a pattern for us to follow in resolving our questions. Drawn to the promise of James that if we lack wisdom, we may ask of God, the boy Joseph took his question directly to Heavenly Father. He sought personal revelation, and his seeking opened this last dispensation in like manner. What will your seeking open for you? What wisdom do you lack? What do you feel an urgent need to know or understand? Follow the example of the prophet Joseph. Find a quiet place where you can regularly go. Humble yourself before God. Pour out your heart to Heavenly Father. Turn to Him for service and for comfort. Pray in the name of Jesus Christ about your concerns, your fears, your weaknesses. Yes, the very longings of your heart. And then listen. Write the thoughts that come to your mind, record your feelings, and follow through with actions that you are prompted to take. As you repeat this process day after day, month after month, year after year, you will grow into the principle of revelation. Does God really want to speak to you? Yes. As well might men stretch forth his puny arm to stop the Missouri River in its decreed course as to hinder the Almighty from pouring down knowledge from heaven upon the heads of the Latter day Saints. You don't have to wonder about what is true. You don't have to wonder whom you can safely trust. Through personal revelation, you can receive your own witness that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God, that Joseph Smith is a prophet, and that this is the Lord's Church, regardless of what others may say or do. No one can ever take away a witness born to your heart and mind about what is true. End quote. So, With this question in his heart and mind, Joseph went to a grove of trees just a jaunt away from his home. If you've never been to upstate New York, go. It is an amazing experience to be in the sacred grove. Joseph found a secluded spot where he could pray vocally. He'd never tried to pray out loud, but this prayer, this question needed to be spoken. He knelt down and offered up the desires of his heart so that he could hear God he went in to that grove of trees fully believing that God would answer. There wasn't a single doubt in his heart. He knew that if God made a promise, he would keep it. So let's go to verses 15 through 18. After I had retired to the place where I had previously designed to go, having looked around me and finding myself alone, I nailed down, and began to offer up the desires of my heart to God. I had scarcely done so when immediately I was seized upon by some power, which entirely overcame me, and had such an astonishing influence over me as to bind my tongue, so that I could not speak. Thick darkness gathered around me, and it seemed to me for a time as if I were doomed to sudden destruction. But exerting all my powers to call upon God to deliver me out of the power of this enemy, which had seized upon me, And at the very moment when I was ready to sink into despair and abandon myself to destruction, not to an imaginary ruin, but to the power of some actual being from the unseen world who had such marvelous power as I had never before felt in any being, just at this moment of great alarm, I saw a pillar of light exactly over my head, above the brightness of the sun, which descended gradually until it fell upon me. It no sooner appeared than I found myself delivered from the enemy, which held me bound. When the light rested upon me, I saw two personages, whose brightness and glory defy all description, standing above me in the air. One of them spake unto me, calling me by name, and said, pointing to the other, This is my beloved son. Hear him. My object in going to inquire of the Lord was to know which of all the sex was right, that I might know which to join. No sooner, therefore, did I get possession of myself so as to be able to speak than I asked the personages who stood above me in the light, which of all the sex was right. For at this time it had never entered into my heart that all were wrong and which I should join. So what did Joseph expect when he went into the grove of trees? He expected an answer. He, ex- he expected to find out which of all the churches was right and which one he should join. He did not expect a vision. But that's okay, because the Lord speaks to us in the manner in which we need. In the book by Gerald Lund, Hearing the Voice of the Lord, he talks about personal revelation. On page 26, he states, For reason the Lord has chosen not to fully explain, when he seeks to impart light and knowledge to us, what we call revelation, this is communicated to the spiritual part of us. The communication may also involve the physical senses, but it is the spirit that learns spiritual things. Therefore, the Holy Ghost is a spirit and can dwell in us. From that truth, we draw two important conclusions. The Holy Ghost is the means or the medium through which the Lord speaks to us. And the Spirit's communication is unlike any other form of communication we experience in this life. And therein is a problem. How do we define or describe something that is different from all other things we know? How do we recognize it when it comes, if it is unlike the everyday experiences we are used to? We may try to liken it to other experiences, but those are inadequate to describe it so clearly and so well that when it comes, we will always recognize it for what it is. Elder Boyd K. Packer pinpointed our dilemma when he said, the still small voice is difficult to describe to one who has never experienced it and is almost unnecessary to describe to one who has. End quote. So we don't need to see a vision in order to have our prayers answered. But with the question and the situation that Joseph Smith was in, he needed that vision. He was the prophet of the, the restoration. And therefore, he had to have a visitation and he needed to know which of all the churches were true. One of the reasons Joseph Smith's experience touches me so deeply is because he could have walked away from it, just like we can walk away from any spiritual experience we have. He could have said, nope, that didn't happen. It was just in my mind and or I just had a dream, especially when the people that he told reacted so violently against him. People that he revered as men of God reviled against him and made him out to be a lunatic and an attention seeker. They did horrible things to a 14 year old boy who had seen a vision. This is one of the most beautiful verses of scripture, I believe. Verse 25 he says, So it was with me. I had actually seen a light, and in the midst of that light, I saw two personages. And they did in reality speak to me. And though I was hated and persecuted for saying that I had seen a vision, yet it was true. And while they were persecuting me, reviling me, and speaking all manner of evil against me falsely for saying so, I was led to say in my heart, why persecute me for telling the truth? I have actually seen a vision. And who am I that I can withstand God? Or why does the world think to make me deny what I have actually seen? For I had seen a vision, I knew it, and I knew that God knew it, and I could not deny it. Neither dared I do it. At least I knew that by so doing, I would offend God and come under condemnation. Joseph took strength from the Apostle Paul as he stood before King Agrippa and related the account of a vision where he had seen a light and heard a voice. And Joseph knew that if Paul could do it, Then he could do it, which is so amazing that the person that the boy prophet looked to and revered as somebody to be like, that it was a prophet from the scriptures, from the New Testament. As we end this Come Follow Me podcast, think to yourself, how did you gain your testimony of the prophet Joseph Smith? And perhaps write it down in your journal so that you can remember it. So you can pass that knowledge on to your children and your grandchildren and future generations. Um, Testify of the prophet Joseph Smith and of the first vision. How will you continue to stand faithful during this tumultuous time that we're in? Because even though we don't live in the time that Joseph Smith did, we live in a time of war and rumors of war. We live in a a time of evil, and we also have the ability to stand up as both Paul did before Agrippa and Joseph Smith did before the people who were reviling against him. We have that ability nowadays to stand up and to share our testimonies and to be a strength to others who are searching for the gospel. Thank you for joining me in today's podcast. I hope that the lesson today was enlightening, faith-building, and that you learned just a little bit more about the Prophet Joseph Smith.